Bigfoot Society would like to thank the following sponsors for helping make the podcast possible. The Singular Fortean Society has combined open and honest paranormal investigation and journalism since 2016. Visit the Society at Singular Fortean for all the latest weird news and more. Come with us and investigate the impossible. Lauren Smith is the hostess for Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio, which has been on air for over a decade and has completed over 300 shows. Lauren brings with her a unique viewpoint given that she is not only the daughter of one of the veteran female Bigfoot researchers in the South, but she has been conducting field research since she was a preteen some 20 years ago. Nightcaller's is a Bigfoot world favorite and along with interviewing researchers and witnesses often features interviews with guests from the documentary film and entertainment industry. Lauren also does a vidcast segment called Night Callers, which features real encounters sent in by viewers. You can find all of this and more at nightcallersproductions.com. In this episode of the Bigfoot Society podcast, I get to talk with Mr. Steve Coles, the Squatch Detective. You'll enjoy this frank talk about the state of Bigfooting uh, in Steve's research over the years in the uh, northeastern part of the U.S. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with Steve, and uh, this is one of our Bigfoot Society live YouTube recordings, so there's plenty of uh, interesting uh, audience questions that Steve uh, was able to uh, answer as well. So, Enjoy this episode, uh, sit back, relax, as we talk to Mr. Steve Coles, the Squatch Detective. All right, well, uh, welcome to uh, Bigfoot Society Podcast Live. Uh, we'll give, uh, see if uh, we got some people coming on here in a few minutes, but as uh, people start to roll in, uh, I'll be bringing my guest on. Uh, soon, Mr. Steve Coles, the Squatch Detective, and then we will have a fun time chatting with him all about uh, Bigfoot and uh, any questions that you have. You can definitely put those in the chat as well. Um, but uh, a quick announcement as um, we rev things up here, uh, have the uh, privilege of interviewing uh, next week. Our guest will be Mr. Tobias Wayland. Uh, known for his research on the uh, Lake Michigan Mothman uh, Singular Fortean Society. So you do not want to miss that. And a um, little uh, spoiler, um, just booked for the week after, have uh, Miss uh, uh, Miss Jessie from uh, Hellbent, Hellbent Holler. Uh, so that will be a fun interview as well. Um, yeah, uh, let's uh, go ahead and we will uh, bring on Mr. Uh, Steve Coles here. Hey. Steve, hello. How's it going? Hey, it's going wonderful. How's yourself? Going well, my friend. It's, it's nice to meet you finally. Uh, I know we were chatting a little bit before okay. the show went live here, but... Um, been a, a fan of yours for a long time. I would say probably, uh, well, of course, uh, I would say the first thing that I um, really got into, and I remember seeing you, is um, On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey. And uh, a few uh, really uh, great researchers on the East Coast were were in there, and yourself being one of them. But oh, thank you. Um, let's give uh, the listeners uh, to the podcast a little background about yourself. So, 
Uh, Steve, you are from the uh, around the Adirondack region of New York, yes. and you've labeled yourself uh, the Squatch Detective. Um, and I'm just uh, curious. So what is the background of the, the name Squatch Detective? How did that all come about? There's got to be a story there. Well, so... My profession is I've always been a detective. Uh, I'm an investigator. And uh, there used to be a, a gentleman who had the name Squatch Commando. And unfortunately, he's since nice. passed away. Oh. And I kept thinking, I, and I was creating this Yahoo name. I was like, I need an email address for this. And, uh, you know, I'm a detective. I'll just call it Squatch Detective. Because Squatch Investigator doesn't sound really, but Squatch Detective kind of float. And I just used it. It was squatchdetective at, you know, yahoo.com. That was my email address. And then from there, I, I created this site, uh, which was, uh, it was a free website at the time, because this is now the, the, the late 90s, where you had okay, such yep. a thing as free free websites. So my first website was, uh, you know, freeyellow.squatchdetective.com, because I just tie it all in. So then in 2005, I, it just... I, you know, I, when I wanted to go really national, I, I coined, I just coined the website squatchdetective.com. It only made sense. And since awesome. then people started calling me Squatch Detective and <laughs> it just kind of, you know, flowed into that way. But oh man, I, I do have a, you know, an investigative background. I've been doing, you know, uh, between private investigation, uh, you know, uh, retail investigation, insurance investigation. Uh, okay. you know, which, which I've dealt with criminal and civil stuff all, you know, since, since the, uh, 1988. <laughs> so it just wow. kind of, oh, that's wild. Right into that. That's wild, dude. Uh, I want to make a, a quick shout out. Uh, thanks for hanging out. We got Mr. Jonathan Dodd, uh, cryptid artist extraordinaire. Um, Jonathan, would you mind, um, if you could put in the chat, if we sound good to go, uh, just so I can get a clarification from an audience member that we sound good. Just uh, let me know there, buddy. But um, Steve, what makes a good detective? Well, you know, the big thing is you let the evidence take you to where uh, you let the evidence take you to the hypotheses or to the possible solution. Not the other way around. You don't take a problem and say, how do I get to that point? You take the point and go and let it lead you to the the situation. So that's what really, really makes a good detective is somebody who can sit there and evaluate something objectively um, and uh, open-mindedly. And it's funny, that's a couple of my, my tenants on my, my site. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and speaking of the tenants, let's let's go right into that. So first, I want to say the squatchdetective.com is fantastic. Um, there's so listeners uh, to the podcast and I'll have this linked in the show notes. Uh, there's a lot of really well written, uh, good articles on there. One article I really enjoyed uh, the page where it talks about the five tenants of Bigfoot research. Do you mind talking about those for a bit? Well, I created the five tenets because it, it, you kind of need a mission statement. Yeah. You know, a, a set of rules to follow in this this work. And uh, I, I always keep them up because I don't want to fumble. <laughs> uh, you know, the older I get, you know, you tend to not have a train of thought. You have a train wreck of thought. So Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my first one is obviously keep an open mind. 
you know, because you're you're delving in, and this is true with any investigation. You got to keep an open mind. You you have to keep all possibilities on the table, and then as you go through your investigation, you start eliminating these possibilities. Okay. Um, and the next thing is remain objective. Just because we're keeping an open mind, we can't throw out the science book. We can't throw out the law of physics. We can't throw out the laws of nature. We can't throw out all of that. We have to adhere to that. Um, you know, my job, and I've always said this, is not to prove a Sasquatch exists. My job is to gather the evidence to pass to the scientists or to science okay. to get it to prove. Because I'm not a scientist. I can't prove nothing. Just like as an investigator, when I work a criminal case or even a civil case, my job is to collect evidence. My job is not to prove anything. My job is to pass that off to the attorneys. And my job is basically intelligence gathering and putting the story together so it makes sense. That's interesting. Exactly okay. what an investigator does. Um, always tell the truth. I, you know, it, you, only can, you can only build your credibility if you say, hey, time out. This is not Sasquatch. There are some people that are hell-bent on saying everything is Sasquatch or trying to give the benefit of the doubt. Well, unfortunately, in, in the real world, you can't give the benefit of the doubt. You can only say what it is or it isn't or I don't know. So you have those three options. You know, there's not, well, I, this is a Bigfoot because, and then put all these objectives into it. Okay. You got to, you got to, you got to prove it. You got to say, Hey, listen, this is the reason why and have some rationale with some backup to it. Finally, uh, we have a responsibility to educate. I think it, as a researcher, one of the things we do is because how many times have we heard, Oh, did you find him yet? You hear that? <laughs> exactly. Like there's one Bigfoot. Right. Yeah. Right. He's so, he's all over the place too. He's all if over there's the place. one. He, yeah. He's got a lot of frequent flyer miles. Uh, <laughs> uh, he he doesn't he, he only travels with carrying on. Yeah. Plus he can use that for lunch. Okay, that was a bad <laughs> joke. Carry on. Um anyway. Um, so we have a responsibility to educate. And finally, uh number five is exposed to charlatans. Because that's part mm. of response, this responsibility to educate. You know, how many times have I got, I've seen people going, you know, have you heard about this website? It's got so much amazing stuff. Yeah, very questionable stuff. Mm. You know, it, let's let's take it down at us. Let's let's look at is this pseudoscience? Is this, you know, there's nothing concrete. Like, you know, I have a real big time with people. Let's say they have habituators which uh, number one, if you if primate, be, uh, you know, looking at primate behavior and how they live, you know, you're not going to actually have a true habituation because you're not in their habitat. Okay. They're using, they're coming to your habitat to use it for a purpose. That's called the foci of activity area. So <clears throat> that's problem number one. And number two is how come all these habituators never have any evidence? They have pictures mm. of rocks. They have pictures of, oh, this is what it gifted me back. But we never have a picture of what gifted it back. We never have a sent audio. We've never have, you know, or if, if we do have audio, it's very questionable. Okay. You know, I like, like, I think a Sasquatch Ontario and oh, I am not real, you know, this whole kind of uh, type of thing. Um, so, you know, that's why it's very important to expose that kind of stuff saying, because you don't want people being so, uh, you know, I want people to believe in this mystery for the right reasons, not for the wrong reasons. Oh, okay. So that's in, that's really interesting. So what are the, 
according to your, what are the right reasons? What would you say the right reasons are then? Well, the right reasons are there are, um, for years, there's been undiscovered animals on this planet. And we're still discovering Definitely. new animals on their planet. Exactly. It took a long time to discover uh, the gorilla. It took a long time to discover yeah. the panda. Um, and the reason why is because we as uh, homo sapiens are not, you know, we're not necessarily a, uh, a creature that's bound to the forest like uh, any other animal we are we are use our brains to to fabricate clothing and warmth and tools and technology to for sure. us to move about the forest whereas they're just purely natural in the forest that's why you know we look at now i want people to think about this you know try to run down a deer <laughs> For one of us to run down, you're not going to do it. No. But, but where does that deer sit on the food chain of us? Oh, yeah. Right? That's way down yep. there, it's right? Crazy, but yet we yeah. can't go out in the woods and chase it. We got so guns. Why you know? do you think when we have a a, a creature, suck, I mean, try go chasing a chimpanzee or a gorilla. Not a They're good down idea. lower. That's not going to happen. They're stronger than us. Chimps why, will mess you up, dude. But, but But we're up here and they're down here true why can't you know why aren't we the stronger species when it just comes to raw because our abilities here and oh, i think yeah. we forget that we need to use that uh when we pursue these creatures but then again you got to remember I've, I've had a lot of hunters say well you know and, and i've heard people uh that you know uh, one particular guy a canadian who likes to claim he's a big field guide likes to say you know well you know why why can't we catch these things why can't we because number one we can't hunt them like we would a bear yeah. a, a canine a, a feline an ursa we can't or an ungulate we can't hunt them like that because they're a primate primates think they have planning mm -hmm. they have pre-planning exactly. they have abstract thought and so that's what makes them very difficult to find so i think that by sheer amount i think that when you have corroborative pieces of witness information that have no connection with one another i think that is huge just like when i go into a you know a crime say somebody sees a particular robbery or a theft right in in this place and i'm listening to the description and how they act and how they you know their mo their modus operandi sure and then i go to a completely other store which isn't in communication with this store and they're describing the same thing well what is that pointing to it pointing to the okay it's pointing to the same thing occurring so this is very similar when it comes to to uh you know listening to witness accounts mm, and okay. and that's why i think really that is the most massive amount of evidence we have right now um yes there's there's footprints uh, there are some that are really good. There are some that are really bad. There are some that belong in the evidence catalog. There are some that are not. Um, you know, there's been some hair samplings that have proven it like primate in nature, but they lack the medulla in the middle of them. Again, explain that to me. How does that happen? That's um, wild. You know, so you, you look at those types of things. I don't look at, you know, tree structures or twists as anything but ancillary evidence and it's very very subjective at best you have to really in other words it's like um it's like uh the way i would i would put it in real world is as you're walking down 
you know, I'm an investigator and I find a, a gun near a crime scene. Okay. Is that the gun that committed the crime? Oh, we don't know. You, that's why we yeah. have to take it and test it. Mm. Right. Exactly. So, so when you see a, a tree snapped near a Bigfoot sighting, we don't know. It's, you know, is there anything to link that with the other, you know, without any real front. Now, if there's a tree break in six feet beyond that, there is a foot track. Now you have a little more circumstantial evidence to say it's that. Is, but that's right. Yeah. But yeah. I want to sneak back to, um, uh, something that you made me think of in the early one of the earlier tenants that we were talking about. So you're, you're talking about uh, your job is to get evidence uh, and then pass it on um, over. So you, your career, I would say what it's got to be about 20, 25 years now in mm -hmm. Bigfoot research, would you say? Um, uh, yeah. Getting there. <laughs> yeah. Getting there. A lot of, a lot of experience, which is awesome. So over the years, has there been, us a, a time where like you've gotten some evidence that has really st stuck out to be like this is awesome i can really pass this on um anything that sticks out in your mind well the the fort and cast in in of itself was not nothing necessarily outstanding or you know because it's just one it's, it's a cast but two and a half years later another researcher got a very similar structured footprint Oh. About a mile, about a mile away from where the original one was found. Wow! And the callus on the on the heel of it had kind of worn down a bit since then, and it had different. Because uh, when we look at a track, we look at basically three measurements: we look at the length, we look at the um, heel width, and we look at the toe splay. Now, two out of the three should be the same. You know, the length. And the heel width should be the same, but the toe splate should always be a little bit different or off. Okay. Because as those toes get into different substrates, softer substrate, the toes are going to spread more as that substrate pushes between the toes. Makes sense. Whereas harder, it's not. What that tells you is, is that likely you have a biological footprint. In a stamper, they're always the same. So that's how you tell the difference between a stamper and, and, and a biological. And by stamper, I'm going to assume you're talking about someone who is hoaxing using right. a pre-made footprint and right. stamp, stamp, stamp in the ground. Look, right. I'm yep. awesome. Yeah. Yep. So right. that, that's really the big way is look at toast play. When I, I investigated years ago, I investigated the, uh, I want to say it was 2000, I want to say early 2008. I was in Bishopville, South Carolina, where I investigated okay. the lizard man. Oh, cool. And to the Rawson's area. And, uh, you know, I, I was so I, I met the old sheriff during the first uh, Lizard Man Flat list in Truesdale. And he had these castings. And he said, yeah, wow. I, I have castings of the Lizard Man. And the toast display was exactly the same in all the prints. Oh, my. Goodness. And I was like, no, these are these are obviously fake. There's no movement at all in the foot. There's oh, somebody man. just stamping them away. Um, and that's just <laughs> natural. I mean, there, there's no. Um, so yeah, so I was like, ah, aha. yeah, um, <laughs> <coughs> detective, I'm back. So, so here you have, uh, this other researcher find this print. So here you have, uh, two prints, different toe displays, same uh, toe anomaly on it. Same callus on the heel, except one is more and more down. Same, sure. same length, same heel width, different toe display. That is evidence. See, to me, that, that, that is, is cool. evidence. I love because that. you have the same individual. Oh, um, that's good. 
So that that's you know I have found hair, and I always and when I find hair, I always throw it under you know a microscope or I look at it, and I'm like I remember one of my first times out, I got this. Believe it or not, I was like something had been picking through these grubs on this this stump. And I, I looked very closely. I got my light out and I got my, my magnifying glass and I, I found a hair. So I got my tweezers out and I plucked it. I put it in an envelope, took it back, got it home, put it under some bright light, got my big magnifying glass just to see if I can. And it was red with a black tip. Son of a really? gun. It's a fox. Uh, it's a fox. Oh, no. <laughs> this is a black tip. That gave it all away. That do it. It wasn't That'd very long. It. you know. But, but just the fact that here I'm in the middle of the woods and it was kind of overcast and a little bit rainy and i find sure. this hair about yay big in this stump. I'm like, that's crazy wow but but you're doing your due diligence yeah. and you are really looking into it uh which is it's awesome i want to shout out a few people in the audience real quick uh, uh apologies if i didn't say this right uh b lynn says hello everyone bigfoot society steve calls hey how's it going Hi, uh bigfoot anon says hey jeremiah and steve hey dude what's up um, all right, going, going on here. So I want to chat about, so you are primarily researching in the, uh, we were talking earlier, you said, um, lower Adirondack region, but also Vermont. Yep. Um, which I think is really cool because so I, as I told you before, I grew up in Northfield and one day. I'm going to get a Franklin County Bigfoot researcher on here. I'm going to find one and I'm going to have the interview of my life because when I grew, grew up in Western mass, I didn't have the, like, I wasn't really yeah. super into Bigfoot. Um, but I am now someday I'll have the interview, but I'm, I God, used to you spend, have October mountain up there. I know. Right. And that's so, a huge play. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, my grandparents, um, so I would spend a lot of time in great Barrington. And I just read this article there back in the 1700s. There's like the Barrington beast. Yeah. There was like a Bigfoot creature that was in the newspapers in the great Barrington area. And I, yeah. I can totally see it because like I would go hiking with my grandfather up on um, a monument mountain, stuff like that. And like up there, it's crazy. Like, yeah, in October, I know October mountain and my, uh, my dad and I, we would go like, he's a, he's a naturalist. Uh, so he would, we would go tracking. That was our thing. We would go tracking and we would go out in Savoy and oh, um, Savoy. Savoy's got Appalachian a lot of Trail. cases now. Holy mackerel, dude. I Oof. was out to Savoy and I, I'll tell you what, I, I heard some stuff that Did oh, I can't goodness. explain out there. It wasn't called really. There oh, was, wow. there was, uh, well, was there, uh, I don't know, but there was, a, there was a lot of tree knocking going on. I was like, it's kind of weird. And of course I was kind of, but then something had pushed over a tree. Okay. And I'm like, whoop. And uh, it was, of course, it was when we decided to walk down the trail, the tree came down. So something was. Displayed. Oh, so it like came down while you were walking by. Yeah, it was clearly. Oh, I mean, wild. we couldn't quite see it, but it was probably a good couple hundred feet away. But while somewhere, snap. Uh -oh. I mean, it just came like oh. no reason, not windy, nothing. Um, you know, so yeah, that Savoy is very interesting. Um, uh october mountain uh that that's always had some cases in there so always had some cases yeah. um if you go into uh rensselaer county new york steventown okay. berlin peter oh sure yeah 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 uh, i've investigated sightings in there too 
So oh, Averill Park uh, sightings are all up and down in there as well. Let's talk about, uh, so to be uh, quite, so to be blunt, have you had any sightings yourself or? Yes. Um, yep. Okay. Do you mind talking about those? Sure. Um, awesome. <clears throat> I had two two sightings almost a year to the date because uh, that's the time I go up to. It's an area I call uh, my research area one. It's in the Southern Adirondacks. Okay. And it had been the host of uh, what I considered a very aggressive type of uh, Bigfoot behavior. I was brought in there in 2000, very early in on my career by a gentleman and his wife who had walked into this area and they had gone off trail for about a quarter of a mile, came along a nice stream, decided to sit down when something decided to start screaming at them. Whoa. And they decided now, mind you, the gentleman, John had been, you know, hiking up there all his life. Now at that time he was probably in his late, how he'd have to be about in his early thirties. Okay. <clears throat> and so he had been there all his life. I mean, since he was a teen, he would always hike up there. He's encountered bear. He's encountered cat. He's encountered all kinds of stuff. So whatever this is, he says, just you could feel the vibrations in his chest, whatever it was that was screaming. Oh, and that's wow. how deep and guttural nice. it was yeah, at the dude. same time. So yep. they decide, well, we better get out of here. And as they're walking, he can see this dark shadow kind of paralleling them off to the side. Can't uh -oh. quite see it because it's moving yep. tree to tree. Yep. And he's kind of like looking And finally after, and it's still screaming at them. Oh, so man. finally about, you know, about they get back on the trail and it, it ceases. And so they get out of there and he doesn't know what to do, but he reports it. And I get a hold of the report and off I go. So it, it was probably a few years after that, another gentleman in that same area had been sleeping up in the parking area, which is not uncommon. And it was at some point at night after midnight, he decided he had to urinate. Okay. He went to open up his car door and it hit something. Oh, dear. And he looks down, and he sees what appears to be this, you know, hairy. What the heck is that? He looks up oh, and looking man, down no at way. him is one of them. It was watching him and he just opened the door on it. And it just kind of looked at him for a second, turned and walked into the woods. Walked wow. Into the area. So, mind you, I've been going up there for many years and I. Okay. I I, I try knowing how primates can primates are very, you know, have memories. They, they, they make associations. Oh, yeah. So I went up there and every time I would go up there, I'd give a couple of whoops. Maybe I'd knock a couple of times, just a okay. nothing like I'm doing anything. So just, you know, hello, I'm here. And I'd go do my thing. Well, all of a sudden in 2010, we started getting um, a lot of, uh, audio, like these noises, like these calls, really? uh, you know, I, I actually went out with, uh, I was up there with two other researchers. We went out and while we were out in camp, I left my recorder going in camp and you can hear something walking up to the camp and you just get a, mm -hmm. oh, and man. then back off and you can hear it walk away. So we were getting stuff like that. Well, in 2011, I had, I was doing a full court press team event. And okay. I had about a dozen folks up there. Um, and uh, John was uh, the, the witness that brought me up there, uh, went with us. And unfortunately, that would be his last event because a month later he was diagnosed with cancer. And four oh, months later, Lord. he passed yeah. away oh. at like 43. Oh, um, my. Way young, wow. way too young. Um, yeah. But we had uh so we had broken up into groups there in the night we were hearing things and one of the the, the irkiest things that we we were going is is that if we walk down the road 
people were saying they were being paralleled on both sides of the road. By oh some. man. Wow. And we came back. And so I sent, you know, uh, some other folks down there and, and all this is going on. So at one point we're all back in the campsite now and we're all around the fire. We're all quartering, got the fire going. It's October. So all yep. the leaves have dropped. Um, it, it's like mid October. So the leaves are off the trees. You can see a good distance in the, and uh, I decide, hey, I, I need to get some batteries. My headlamp's kind of dull. I'm going to probably change yep, them out. So yep. I go out to my car, get my batteries, shove them in my coat pocket. So I'm going to only light up a cigarette, just enjoy the quiet. Everybody's behind me now. My car is behind me. I'm kind of leaning the dirt roads in front of me. I smoke a cigarette, just enjoy the, just listen. And so I take my light and I shine it downhill, which was the north side of the, the road which is where at the time a lot of the activity was going on, nothing. And I, I pull it up against the south side of the road, which is uphill and standing next to utility pole. There's one. I can see the eyes reflecting back. At oh me, man. Blinking. And it's just standing wow. and it kind of looked at me and it froze and I froze. Uh, but the first thing it did was kind of look behind it almost like to say, okay, where's my escape route? Yeah. And it kind of, we kind of uh, stood there and looked at each other. I don't know how long it was. I'd say about 40 seconds. It could have been 20. It could have been 60. You know, at that time, time is going like. That's what everyone says. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. just a few seconds, but it feels. Yeah. So yeah. at one point I just decided to, I, I, what the? and I don't want to move fast and I don't want to make any sudden movement, or any loud noises because I don't want to startle it. It's looking at me. I'm looking at it and I'm not yeah. sure if it's looking at me because it's going, does it see me? Right. Got this light on me, but if I don't move, maybe it won't <laughs> see me. And I'm thinking maybe if I don't move it, it won't move. And finally I'm like, okay, time to provoke something. So I just shook the light and it just turned walking oh, wow. into the woods. Now what it was probably doing was watching our campfire. Yeah. Maybe because Maybe, the leaves yeah. are dropped. They can see the campfire yep. very clearly from the totally listening to us. We're their TV primates need primates need mental stimulation. So we're their exactly. television. Exactly. Oh, so cool. it that walks cool. in. I call out this other team. Well, my, my, my a team here, they come out. I have a video guy and he actually is videotaping the whole thing. Like, uh, you know, and then they actually found the, the, the scuff where it had walked in. You can see this big scuff dirt still falling in. And while they're doing, yeah, that looks, and even the cameraman who was skeptical, yeah, that's, that's fresh. And then all of a sudden you hear the radio blurb. Hey, Steve, this is the base camp. Uh, we got a lot of movement to the southwest side of the camp. Oh, wow. And that's where it had walked. So that's that, awesome. that was sighting number one. Now, sighting number two was, 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 uh, very quick, very bizarre. And, okay. uh, I kind of blew it off at first. Um, <laughs> We were shooting, uh, we had come from the Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Conference. It was uh, a group of six of us. And we were, the next day, we were going to start shooting the uh, Nat Geo uh, slash uh, Monsters and Mysteries Unsolved uh, yeah. uh, Bigfoot episode. And um, so they, they the crew came in earlier in the day. They knew we had driven all day because coming from Chautauqua, going back home to my area and then up north, you know, we were on the road for about eight, nine hours after stops. Yeah. Oh, I mean, easy. We were, New York. We were pretty, you can, we were pretty pooped. Yeah. Then we had a set up camp, which we, which consisted of three tents and a big pub, common area. So we could, you know, with a tarp 
And to make matters even more lovely, it had been pouring rain all day. Oh, my goodness. So now we have to collect wood, but we can't collect norm. we got to find all the birch we can because birch will burn. Exactly. So we're collecting, we're collecting birch, 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 and we're, we're piling in the camp. And it finally starts kind of, the rain kind of settles down a little bit. All right, cool. And we eat dinner, and uh, Nagio comes in. They do some very quick interviews with us, daylight interviews, and then they take off. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow morning. Okay, off they go. So we're all sitting around eating dinner, and then we decide, okay, it's getting to be about 11 o'clock. I'm pretty beat. And uh, Melissa and Melissa goes to bed first. She was the uh, the wife of uh, the, the Ohio team, Ohio couple that was with us. She goes in. So now there's the three guys just hanging around me. Wayne, who's from Ohio, and Jeff, who's from Georgia. And we're just kind of like, do, 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 do. And, and Jeff's like, well, I got to go out to my Jeep. I got to get my pillow and blanket because he left his pillow and blanket in his Jeep because it was raining all day. And new tent, he didn't want to take any chances that if it didn't rain through his tent that, you know, he'd have a wet blanket. Right. Pillow. Right. So he looked in, okay, it's dry. He goes out to his Jeep, gets his pillow and blanket, goes in, goes to bed. So Wayne and I are up for a little bit more. Then eventually we go to bed. Well, about 32 o'clock, being a type 2 diabetic, sometimes this happens, and nature goes, oh, I got to use a tree. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. So I, 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 <laughs> I unzip my tent. I step out, and as I step out, I look to the left, which is where the road is. Mind you, this is the same area we were at the, the previous year. And although it had been overcast, it was a full moon. So it oh, kind of had wow. this, like, night light effect like the clouds were like a very, you know, like the, the grayish type of color. And I look over and there it is. Five and a half feet tall, long really? brown hair. <laughs> Heard me get out of my tent Man. at beat feet. Wow. And it was a juvenile. It was only five and a half feet oh, tall. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. Very large. So my first, re my first reaction to that was like. Yeah. <sighs> so i used a tree go back go back to bed <laughs> about four in the morning i had to use a tree again but that time i brought a flashlight and i remember sticking my head out going you out there <laughs> okay okay now i can go um so i didn't say nothing the next morning and everybody's getting up and wayne is making breakfast getting everybody breakfast and all of a sudden i hear jeff who's up now and he's putting his getting his packing his pillow and blanket up to put back in his jeep and all of a sudden, I, Steve, Steve, what? You better come here and look at this. Oh, well, no. behind his Jeep, something had left a birch log. Really? Like a gifting? <laughs> right, of a... right wow. behind his Jeep where he could not step to the back of his Jeep because that log was there. Hmm. And it was only maybe, you know, maybe about three feet, three and a half feet wide, but about that thick and we okay. actually started looking around we found the muddy rut that it was pulled out of across the road where something you would have to walk in this muck to pull it out oh, that's weird that's why we left it there yeah so that told me whatever it was was watching us totally um very very weird and i'm like well i'm not gonna say nothing but i wasn't gonna say anything because uh but because you have this denial and a lot of witnesses have that too. That like I, I, you know, I've I've had witnesses before. I'm not saying what I saw was big, but I saw this thing. And what what else is it? You know. Yeah. Um. So you have this automatic denial a lot of times. 
um, uh, later on in the day, uh, Wayne and Melissa find a nine inch toad track, four oh, inches wow. wide in the general vicinity of where I had seen the run. Oh man. <clears throat> it's not all. Um, Jeff goes out on his own and something actually grunts and growls at him. Oh, really? Wow. And and the amazing thing is, is that, you know, and I didn't know this until like a year or so ago is that bears don't growl. Really? I didn't know, know that. They don't have the vocal cords to do it. That's why they, Oh, Ooh. wow. Ooh. Hmm. You know, they, they grunt, but they don't, they don't, they don't do that. Something growled. Okay. Him. Um, and, hmm. uh, just so it's all this, That's you know, weird. really weird type of, of behavior um, that happens. And um, so those are my two encounters. Those are cool. Thank you for but, sharing. Those yeah, are no, those sorry. are awesome encounters. Um, be, before I forget it. Well, first, I want to we'll do uh, friend Joe says evening, Jeremiah and guests. Thanks for for hanging out, Joe. Of course, Joe has a. Uh, a cool doc you can watch on uh, Amazon uh, creature from uh, big muddy. I always, I'm sorry, Joe. Oh, I know really? I messed up the name. Yeah. That's the guy. Um, the Murphy's Burrow. Um, Bigfoot oh, cool. incident. Yeah. But it's a great, oh, very cool. and he's got, he, uh, he, um, he was at the van meter visitor festival and he filmed uh, Chad Lewis's tour. So check out his, um, just uh, search for um, Chad Lewis tour and you'll find it. Um, but let's continue. So, I am curious. Let's talk about this. We're going to, we're going to get into some, uh, some stuff here, which is cool because this is a very, um, this is a, uh, I don't, it's not blunt, but you know, it's like, it's very honest. It's a very honest yeah. conversation. Well, that, so, that's the only yeah. thing that this mystery deserves honesty. Exactly. Yeah. So if you look over, I would say the history of Steve calls, let's say, you know, if you is search it out, mm -hmm. look through your website, stuff, you've had multiple events where you have actually been the person who has um, figured out that different things are hoaxes. Yep. Um, I would love to talk about that, that um, how did that, first come like um trying to think of how best to say this um how did i start doing that yeah how does that start like okay you start as a researcher and then you're like did you just like realize oh this is fake i gotta say something like how did it start well it starts off like any researcher you know it, it's kind of funny what i do it should be no different than anybody else sure we look at different particular pieces of evidence and we evaluate it whether it be our own and heck i've I poo-pooed a lot more evidence than than I found. Um, mm. Even some evidence that people say, hey, you know, that may be good. Well, it may be good, but it's not quite good enough. Um, and, and so you take a look at this case and you start, well, I want to learn more about it. And then as you start looking at it, I don't ever go out to prove it's a hoax. I go out to prove it's re it, it's if it's real or not. That's awesome. Again, okay. like, like awesome. I say, yeah. yep. like I say, when you when you do this, you're not. I'm not letting the hypothesis, uh, the you know, like the hypothesis, uh, uh, basically help me find the evidence. I have the evidence find me the hypothesis. Okay. So, okay, here's what we have. We have this picture. Now, do I have some 
Is it real? Is it not? Is this? So I have some some things I line up. Well, what's my gut feeling? on it? Because every investigator works on their gut. Well, my gut is that yeah, it may not be legit. Well, why is that? Well, there's a lot of indicators, just like when I go and, and speak to a suspect. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of indicators that will tell me right off the shoot whether something is on the level or not. Okay. Um, for example, here's this video. Oh, well, here's this video of uh, like the, the Mississippi skunk ape video. Oh, uh, yeah. There's no yeah. story behind it. No. Nope. Very little story behind it. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, or you, you take, you know, you take a look at, um, you know, probably one of the best ones, I think, is the Bigfoot peeper case. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's the Bigfoot looking in the window. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know exactly which one you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, uh, that is yep. probably the best one of the best case because the guy actually tries to create a story. Now, number one, uh, if you don't have a story, that's a big issue. But number sure. two, number two, the story, if you have a story, it's got to make sense. Okay. So let's 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 picture this. And, and this is what really Stein. People who want to support that. Well, look at the picture. Well, listen to the story. Let's put the picture mm. aside for a second. Okay. Because you know what? A picture is subjective unless we're on the site. So what do we have to work with? The story. That's the only thing that's tangible here. That's testimony. Now let's look at the story. The story was, well, I'm sitting here on my chair and I keep a video camera next to me on my my table. Okay. That's kind of weird. Hmm. Right? I have this big piece of property in Colorado. Okay, that could be believable. But now you have a video camera that's always next to your video camera. You know, how about a phone? You know, but no, he's got a video camera. So (laughs) All the time. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Right. I have a video camera next to me too, but it's not a video camera. It's a phone. (laughs) Yeah. So, But he's got a video camera, which is okay. Maybe he's stuck in old school. I don't know. but it's still kind of weird. So all of a sudden I start seeing this thing at the window. So I start videotaping it. Now, just so you know, the videotape was lost in a fire at my mom's house, but I still have, these are the pictures that I saved from it. Um, well, you see how this is already yeah, falling apart, but yeah, it gets it better. It just gets kind of, it gets better. You feel weird. Yeah. After, after about eight minutes, my wife comes in and screams and she runs and goes, wait a minute. Your wife is home. Well, what's the first thing? I, hey, honey, look at the look out the window. Check this out. You know, you know, no, he doesn't say nothing. He just said, you know, so that's kind of weird. So she comes in, sees it, gets scared. I mean, if this thing's in the window, what if your wife walks outside? Yeah. Hey, totally. honey, right, right. There's yep. no safety. So the psychology is already kind of whack. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so after his wife runs and calls the sheriff's department, which he doesn't say which sheriff's department, right? Hmm. He grabs his gun. Why are you grabbing your gun? You just sat there and videotaped it for eight minutes. Now, all of a sudden, you're worried about your yeah, safety that, and grabbing Yeah, that seems your gun? backwards. Yeah, right? yeah, yep. So, you know, you look at all these facts, and it's just a whack story. Yeah. A, B, C, D. And if you take the picture away and don't look at the picture and hear the story, you're going to say, what a crock. This is like a, this is not even a grade B movie, horror movie. This is just, you know. Um, so. Man, I would love to see just a YouTube series of you, like, breaking apart there's so many videos out there right now it's nuts 
And, yeah, well, the Mississippi Skunk yeah. Ape video was another interesting one because sure. when I did a search on the guy, the only place I could find him is as a character, a part of this four, uh, it only lasted four episodes, some uh, thing about uh, Louisiana monster hunters or something. Oh, and the weird. video, the Mississippi okay. Skunk Ape video allegedly was taken in Louisiana now, and it's the first, <laughs> in, first appearance of this film with the exception of a Facebook page with this character's name on it and a YouTube page, which only has one post, one video on each one. So it was obviously created by a production company to spin up some, some drama. So when they start their show episode one, here's this video. And the, the, the guy, the actual guy that was the alleged witness was actually played by an actor. And yeah, I got the actor's picture and everything. And, you know, so it's like kind of like the, the, Almost like you know the mountain monsters meet meet swamp people type of type of TV Dude, show. It's not real mountain no. monsters. So I remember the first time. And I'm not talking bad about mountain monsters. I'm just saying the first time I saw the episode, one of their episodes, I was like, "What in the world is this? This is intense!" Like, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. But um, before, so uh, the listeners in the uh, watchers in the chat. If you have any questions, and I see a few in there already, but yeah, go yeah. ahead and definitely put your questions in the chat. Um, uh, I do have a question I'm going to ask you before I get to audience questions. And I'm curious about this because you have on squatchdetective.com, there's a huge uh, emphasis on, there's a, like a Squatch Detective University tab, yeah, which is really absolutely. cool. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's a really good breakdown of like uh, Sasquatch history, all this good stuff. Um, I'm curious though. Uh, let's say someone just starting out into the field of getting into Bigfoot and they don't know, uh, they don't know where to turn. What are the books that they should, they should pick up and they should really become familiar with to, to become familiar with this, this uh, Sasquatch. One of my favorite books. And, you know, some people may not be in that camp, but I love uh, legend meet science by Je- Dr. Jeff Meldrum. Love that book has a lot yep. of good anthropological solid book uh bigfoot evidence by dr grover krantz okay Uh, the the bigfoot hunter by don hunter and renee de hinden Uh, very good book i'll give you some good history um uh, the abominable uh america's abominable snowman by um uh, ivan Ivan sanderson Sanderson. yep yep um great starting place to get your history and some ground-based uh john green's books any of john green's books uh, mm-hmm. Very, very good. Um, I, I, I particularly enjoyed Brian Sykes' book, even though it kind oh, of yeah, killed not, a lot. Not a lot uh, of people bring. Actually, I don't think anyone's brought that one up. That's yeah, very, good very good. I mean, uh, Haskell Hart does a really good breakdown of the Ketchum study, which yep. not only serves a purpose of breaking that down, but gives you a good blueprint of what DNA evidence should look like and the type you should look for. So some, I mean, some of that stuff is just, you can get gems out of this and some of it's very deep reading, but, but I, let me just scroll over to my reference. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. we got the, he's going to bust out the library. I can feel it. You got something. The, the three best books you can read in Bigfoot oh, research. Oh, this is it. This is the stuff. All right. Is. Oh, what's this? The Predation okay. ID Manual. Okay. Peterson's Guide to Animal Tracks. Peterson's legit. Yeah, those field guides are great. And, of course, I have the Tracker's Handbook. Hmm. 
three best books you can read for Bigfoot research. Nothing to do with Bigfoot. Why is that? Because you're going to go in the woods. If you're going to go in the forest, you got to know what you're looking for. You got to know what Uh, you're looking at. I love that. So, I mean, you know how many times I've gone out to a place and somebody says, well, I've been all these tracks on the shoreline and they're bare oversteps. Very simple. Uh, bare yes. oversteps. Dr. Meldrum brought that up in our interview, uh, in my interview with there, him. Yep, yep, exactly. And snow tracks. You know, I, I, I do some some stuff on snow tracks. You've probably seen it on the university, too, is like uh, my my uh, old landlord stepped in the snowbank. And it was just a normal boot print. And after about four or five days, it looked like a Bigfoot. Yeah, that melting, those melting tracks will get you every time. And it, they it, look it, weird. It was, it was 20 degrees the whole week. It was just the sunlight yeah. hitting it melted it yep. anyway. It doesn't exactly. matter if it's, you know. So so those are probably the most important books you can read is get you get educated about the environment. I also have books on rocks and minerals and plant life. So, you, you know, you, be, you become part of the amazing thing about this is the only field where you have to be an investigator, a tracker, an ecologist, a biologist, mm. and a conservationist. You know, you, it, yeah. you have to roll all those in together and know, you have to know earth science. You have to know there's so much you have to learn that you should never. And then I've become a behaviorist and, you know, primate behavior mm. and primate sure. habitation and how primates live. So, um, you know, all of that becomes very crucial. So you don't get hoodwinked when you go out in the woods and go, you know, look at that tree bend. Well, number one, a Sasquatch would have to stand there for about two weeks for the tree to stay like that. You know, how about, hey, we live in the Northeast. How about ice did that? <laughs> Could be. Yeah, totally. I'm going to add uh, another thing onto that is uh, know the sounds in the woods. Oh, yeah. That's huge. There's a great section about uh, sounds on Squatch Detective as well. But literally just if you're from a certain region of the U.S., become aware of the sounds that you will hear. Um, Have you ever heard a barred owl? Have you ever heard a barred owl go into a mating call? freaky, dude. Yeah. Like we used to go hiking in the Quabbin Quabbin Reservoir. Yeah, the Quabbin. Oh, the Quabbin's wild, right? But like we would hear owls out there and like... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. It's like I, it messes I, with you, dude. I, I had the distinct experience of uh, going in my one of my areas. I'm sitting there and I'm standing by a tree and all of a sudden I see, what the hell was that? Was that the Mothman? What the hell? This huge, big <laughs> shadow. <laughs> oh, like, snap. I'm like, and then all of a sudden it goes, boop, 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 boop. And it's yeah. like so loud. Like, yeah, dude. Holy. <laughs> you know, it, it, when you hear those things from, uh, you know, 100 yards away, they sound pretty loud. When you hear from about 40 feet away, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's when those owls are right above you and they start messing with you, man. Holy mackerel. Um, that's all right. Let's let's bring in a few questions here. So, again, if you have any um, any questions, go ahead and put them in the uh, the chat at this time. All right. We got my friend Joe here. Joe says, Steve, do you ever get spooked when doing research? Are you used to it by now? I think that's a cool question. Depends on the circumstance. Okay. Um, you know, I, I've been, I've been in areas where I don't get spooked very easily, but like a couple of weeks ago, I did a live broadcast and something was moving around out there. It was pretty heavy. And I got spooked because number one, I wasn't carrying my bear spray. And number two, I, you know, I, my bear spray and knife for bag of camp. I was braving it. But all of a sudden, I'm like going, is there a bear out here? 
new area to me. It was a new area to me too. Oh, so yeah. I, I think that um, it, it all depends on circumstances. Anybody can get spooked at any time. You always mm-hmm. have to, to get caution. But as far as getting that gut, like I feel like I'm being watch feeling that's happened to me a couple of times up in my research one, but strangely never when uh, we hear these shuffles or them coming around us, it, 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 the spook is when it's totally quiet. Like, hmm. yeah, no, that that's yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. That's I've when, been... that's when it gets spooky. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I'm more worried about like a bear or a moose. Because I do have moose in, in the one area I'm yeah. in now, um, which is not the technically it's not the Adirondacks and it's okay. state forest land. Okay, there is a moose population where oh, I live. Really? Oh wow! <laughs> Haven't okay. seen one yet, but they're out there. And you don't mess with moose, dude. Yeah, they'll walk um, over your car and crush you every time yeah. in northern New Hampshire. It's nuts. Oh my so. goodness! Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That whole. Um, you know, my dad and I, we used to hike the uh, Appalachian Trail and we were, I was in Connecticut once and like you're in these forests and like all of a sudden it's dead quiet and you're like, I know there's a mountain lion watching me right yeah. now and I don't want to think about that. Like yeah. it's, it, it, yeah, it can freak you Something out. Something is out there that wants to eat me. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, if you, if you don't get spooked, then you're not human. I know there's people out there. Oh, I'm not, you know, exactly. of course, if I, if I was carrying my shotgun or I had my, my spray, I probably would have been a little more, a little more cooler that week. But I was like, oh, I don't have my, because when I'm, when I get my bear spray, I know what bear spray is very effective against anything, if you think about it. I bet. Yeah. It's got to take anything out for well, sure. Well, think about it. If you get, if you get approached by a pack of coyotes, per se, you know, mm-hmm. would I feel more comfortable having a handgun, a rifle, or bear spray? I would be more comfortable having bear spray because I can canister the whole lot of them real quick. You can just take them all out. Right. <laughs> just stun them enough to get my my derriere out of there. <laughs> uh, my friend... My friend Tate, I think, is being tongue-in-cheek with his questions about his upcoming film. Uh, but I am going to actually make it into a question here. Sure. Um, <laughs> just because... Uh, Tate's a cool dude. So yes, good old Tate. You know Tate Hieronymus. Yes, um, I sure do. Nephew Pretty of guy, Bob unfortunate Hieronymus. last name. <laughs> <laughs> He's not really the nephew of I Bob Hieronymus. Um, is Steve excited about my new film? Of course, we all are. On October twentieth, it's going to drop and it's going to destroy the Bigfoot world. It's going to be great. Um, uncovering the truth of Sasquatch. If I got that wrong, Tate, please let me know in the comments. But anyways, uh, main. So my what I'm curious though is he's talking about. Do you have any thoughts about sleep paralysis and people connecting that to uh, Bigfoot? I believe what he's that's what he's getting to there. Um, no, because, you know, the, the people I have uh, talked to have never been in bed <laughs> or they've oh, okay. never been, sure. they haven't been sleeping. Uh, you know, these are people that have had roadside crossings that have had. Um, and I'm very familiar with uh, the human mind and how it works at times. Mm. Um, as far as people having a paranormal experience with a Bigfoot, uh, mm. where they may feel like I couldn't move, um, a lot of times I can, you know, there, there's a number of different reasons. There's post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. If it's not in your system, your brain's going to stutter. It's going to try to figure out, out yeah. what it's seeing. Sure. That could cause lost time. That could cause traumatic regression like we see in children who get abused. Um. And it can cause like paranormal effects. Well, it was there and then it wasn't because your mind is kind of like 
out of pause. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Interesting thoughts to find out more. Um, Watch Tate's film. It's, it's actually, it's, it's solid. It's solid. Um, next up, we've got my friend, Aaron from Haystrain. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll Joe, I'll get to your second one in a minute. Um, Aaron from Haystranger says, uh, oh, this is the second part. So pretty much his question is, do you have any thoughts on to- uh, Tom Slick? First you know, time he, he did it wrong, but Tom yeah, Slick. That's okay. I really haven't followed Tom Slick all that much, other than I know he was a financier. Okay. Uh, he financed Peter Byrne, and he fi- and then he, he was financing the Pacific Northwest for a little bit yeah. with Peter Byrne, and he had, he'd gotten John Green and Renee DeHinden involved, and you know what that turned out to be? Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> a, free, a three-way wrestling WWE match is what that turned out to be. Um <laughs> Which is what happens when you get people with, you know, not so much John Green, but when you get somebody with, you know, the egos of a Ray DeHinden and a Peter Byrne together, it's like, you know. Oh, uh, it's it's too bad Mr. DeHinden is no longer with us. I'd love to see yeah. Steve Cole's first Renee DeHinden. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. All right. <laughs> no, we won't do that. Um, no, I, I wish that there would be another Tom Slick that would come out of nowhere and just start throwing money at actual legitimate Bigfoot researchers. Well, there, there was you... somebody that did, unfortunately, oh, okay. the Ketchum study. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny. Um, any additional thoughts about that, Steve? I'll just, I'll, if you want, if you want to up to you, but um, yeah, the whole, nah, I really you can read Dr. Think... Hart's book for more info on that. Yeah. On How that. about well, that? Yeah. 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 Hey, I got published. Yeah, I, I published a magazine myself. <laughs> you know, I uh, I interviewed I interviewed Dr. Hart before. He's a cool dude. Like he's oh, really he's awesome. nice. Um, and he had stories about like being a younger uh kid or a teenager and seeing the actual like I want to say like he was re- he could remember the actual film when it was touring around. Like he had some really cool stories outside of the whole. Like in this DNA stuff, I was like, what's going on? This is amazing. Uh, but Joe's got a cool question for you. So Joe says, uh, Steve's opinion on the Paul Freeman footage. Hmm. You know, all I can say is I kind of like it. Um, if you okay. listen to, if you listen, uh, if, if you've ever read, you know, Dr. Meldrum's book, uh, he was very, uh, He's very, he kind of had the same feeling. He was kind of like leery of him, but then he gets there and he, he's there unexpectedly. And then he says, well, you know, can you take me here? And they take him here. And then they're looking around, they find tracks. Mm. I don't know. It's going to be one of those, those conundrums that we shall never, ever know. Uh, is it real or is it not? You know, like I say, show me the suit. Show me the yeah. suit. You know, has the oh, suit man. ever been reduced? No, then how can we say it's Hieronymus hasn't had his estate sale yet, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Um yeah, there is no suit. Oh man. The whole pa- we've had some wild uh some wild discussions on Clubhouse about that. Man, just last night. It was a good time. Uh Mr. Jonathan Dodd says, What is Steve's most useful piece of equipment he uses in the field? And you have some tech, dude. You've got tech galore. I do. 
Yeah. Uh, and I always say the best piece of, of equipment I have is right here. Uh, I love it. For those on the audio podcast, he's uh, pointing to pointing at my head. Yeah, that might yep. not. Uh, yep. I mean, you think about it. We are the apex on this planet for a reason. Mm, very true. articulate, true. intricate, intricate, very thought uh, delving minds. And uh, we need to use those. That's why, you know, when I get out there, I use subterfuge. Okay. Distract them over here and get them to come over here and say mm. hi, you know, uh, and although we, you know, equipment, technology is limited. I mean, it's like mm. you put three tree, tree, yeah, three trail cameras in the woods sure. on trees, it's three needles in a haystack. That's all it is. Okay. So, you know, you don't know what these guys are doing or how they're, what they're looking at during the day. So the best we can do is kind of try to coax them in. And I've actually gotten some eye shine pictures of using flash photography because they're walking in and I'm like, you know, the heck with it. Bang, 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 bang with the camera. And why, what do you know? A couple of shots have eye shine on them. So, so sometimes you got to fool them and I'm yeah. sure they didn't like the flashes, but the funny thing is between the first and I took like a series of five pictures and I got eye shine in two of them and it actually came closer. <laughs> oh, Crazy. And it actually wow. came closer and then it was gone. And uh, later on that night, we found even more eye shine. You know, we actually saw it with our naked eyes. Like, what's that? And I remember that too. Since when did they start putting trail markers on this? And all of a sudden, the trail markers went. So, man. So that uh, was, and I wasn't alone with that one. Everybody was just like, what was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was just reminded in the last few minutes, you. So I thought we were kind of talking about, you know, tech in the field, but you had an actual, you and Mike, uh, our mutual friend, Mike Ann, Tactical yep. Bigfoot Research. You guys were actually out in the field uh, doing a live stream, which I thought was the coolest thing. That's got to be the first time that's ever been done. Maybe others, but like, that's the first I've, I've known of a pair of Bigfoot researchers going out in the field, but actually live stream. It was very cool. And like, you had yeah. some really interesting things happen. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, it got wild. Like uh, I was texting well, for, people first, about it. And the, the girls, nuts. the girls were out playing while we were setting up the equipment. So uh, Sherry and Michelle came back and Michelle's a very dear friend of ours. I know her through the paranormal community. She's not a Saratoga okay. spirit. just very, very nice, nice and good woman and tough and very acclimated to the outdoors. Sure. And Sherry as well. She grew up a country girl. So they come back um, saying, well, we kind of heard some stuff out there. Okay, well, all right, well, I'm going to go check it out in a bit. You know, we'll do the show. And it was kind of funny how that all came out to be. We, we kind of, Mike came over and said, you know, you think we can do a stream up there? Well, let's look at the, the maps or the coverage. And my God, we actually had some 5G patches in that area. So we're really? like, all right, cool. So we, right. we go up there. We, we, load the, we load the Bronco up. We head on up there. We, we set up. I, I pull the trail camera out. I pull the trail camera off my, my computer. It's got a tripod mount on it. So I'll bring the tripod out, set the table up. We'll have like a desk and we'll have the equipment. We'll actually have a, a night vision uh, right there with a monitor so we can actually see in front of the desk behind the camera with a thermal so we could see what was going on in front of us. Um, and then like with a half hour to go, I'm like, you know, I wonder if I took my phone and logged into StreamYard, we can make this a field <laughs> remote. 
I'm and, glad you did. Yeah. And we did. So that was it. So was cool. my, I walked around with, with that and we, I had gone, started to go down myself. And that's when I heard that big thing walking around, whatever it was, it was like crack, snap, pop. I'm like, Oh, okay. There's something big. So I held my, I, I backed up maybe about 20 feet. I held my ground until Mike came down. Mm-hmm. The only thing that freaked me was it was starting to flank me to my left. Oh man. Yeah. And I'm like going, okay. Yeah. So I ended up back and backpelling. So I didn't want to come up behind me. Mike came down and then we start walking in and we got in maybe about another 50, 75 yards. And we heard a very, and I, I, I'm still waiting for Mike to pull that audio out, but we heard a very distinct single, maybe a couple hundred feet away, you know, the hill that was very burmy there. So it's kind of hard to get mm. a, a straight line shot of the ground where we were. Um, but we heard probably about 200 feet away, a, a distinct tree knock. Like wow. it was like, clunk, you know, like what I yeah. would, you couldn't. And the temperature is not cold enough to make anything, make those trees pop. And it was like 58 degrees, mm. 50, you know, between 55 and 58 degrees. So I'm like going, you know, that was a tree knock. And we're all like, okay. Now, mind you, I had found a track in there about a couple of weeks earlier. So we had moved even more and we had just gotten to the past the point where I had gotten the track when all of a sudden we started you know, the the communication started getting a little bit garbled just for a second or two. Like the like the you know the 5G burp or the 4G burp. Right. And while we're there, we distinctly heard, I can't wait to hear this. Now it's very rocky there too, but we distinctly heard something coming through the trees. <laughs> Oh, crack nice. onto the ground. Yeah. So it was a rock on oh, rock. Man. Yeah. And we, we both looked at each other like, oh, so. And then it got That's quiet wild. after that. But then somebody started firing a gun like a few hundred yards out. We could hear somebody going pow, pow, pow. So I'm like, OK, you know, somebody's firing a gun on the other side of the swamp that we were in, which is probably a good, like I said, a good couple hundred yards, two, three hundred yards. So like, you know what? I want to get out of here because I don't want to get clipped. So we, yeah, good idea. So we we got out of that area uh, (laughs) at at a medium pace. And once we got out of the the line of sight of the swamp, we started walking back, you know, at a slow pace again. So. Hmm. Just, yeah, it's really, if you haven't definitely, you know, subscribe to the squash detective uh, YouTube channel, but it's, it's a cool, it's, it's a cool video to check out. Uh, I, I liked it. It's good stuff. And the beach wall was classic. Oh, I, I forgot about yeah, that's the the little Easter egg at the end. It's uh what well, you were like tossed that at Mike and he got it right in the face. Oh man. <laughs> Taking one for the team for sure. And he didn't even know. It was it was just like <sighs> good old good old for, Mike. Time for Tactical comedy. Bigfoot research. Um, I got a let's see. Uh I talked to you before. You said you were up for anything. Mm-hmm. You, you up for every anything? Let's go. All right. Here we go. Here we go, brother. All right. So uh, Kevin has a question. Um, And if you have any thoughts about this, uh, so why don't we see more Bigfoot deer kills in winter, like scuffling in snow, blood? Also, why no tools if they're intelligent? I think there's there's definitely a a few ways you could go with this one. Well, truthfully, I haven't seen any deer kills necessarily uh, Mm. in the Northeast. Okay. Um, You know, the... I, I can't explain why we wouldn't see, uh, I have no data to really 
correlate. You know, why don't we see exactly. more deer kills in winter? You exactly. know, maybe we don't see more deer kills in winter because there's less people in the woods in the winter. Mm, and that's a good point too. That's yeah. why Bigfoot sightings dwindle a bit down the winter time because we're yeah. not we, we're <laughs> not going into these areas because they're inaccessible by feet of snow. I like that. Um, yeah. So that's that's probably one good reason why. Um, I did see a very interesting deer kill in uh, Alabama once. That was kind of interesting. Um, also, why new tools if they're intelligent? Well, not. I'm not saying they use uh, necessarily. They may use sticks. Uh, they may use tools like chimpanzees, but they're mm -hmm. not going to use like a, a jackhammer or they're not going to well, def manufacture. No, but let's uh, hope not. <laughs> but if you think about it, uh, all your primates are very, very intelligent. I mean, just watch a, a you know, just watch. Uh, there's this rhesus monkey that's on Facebook that I started watching and just yeah. watching her mind go to work. Mm. And she's using tools. Yeah, she's, she was using. A, a, I forget this this thing to to uh break crabs she oh sure watched, yeah she yep. watched and, exactly and she's taking the mallet and she's sitting there trying to bang the you know uh crack the crabs open with, with the thing so I, I i they they do use tools but they don't use like manufactured tools like we would forge a you like make an axe using a stick and some vines and tying it into uh, onto a stone to make an axe sure um nothing complicated like that i'm sure they use sticks uh obviously if they would not that's a tool um, so yeah, but I, I don't think they use fire or anything like that. Um, in fact, it, it's, uh, scientists very much believe now that, that the, with the creation of us using fire and starting to cook our food, which broke down the proteins in the meats yeah. kind of led the way for our intelligence spike because it made our brains absorb those proteins a lot easier. Oh, that's wild. Than the, yeah, than, sure. than, than the raw meats. So yeah. that's probably, you know, there is a, a difference now. Whether they're smarter than, I mean, you think about it, a, a chimpanzee has, I think, 94.6% of our DNA. Um, an orangutan has less, but uh, I did this show on nests, on how primates build nests. Sure. And the orangutan actually makes a much more, the most complicated nest out hmm. of all the other, uh, out of the, 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 the chimps, bonobos. And Billy Apes and Gorillas, they make the most complicated nest. They make blankets. They make pillows. Oh, wow. They, yeah. Really? So it's really so they can they, they make these, they especially make these pillows out of vines and stuff, the way they weave them so they can put them behind their heads. And then they make blankets weaved so they can pull it over them. Chimps don't do that. And gorillas don't do that. Yet they're closer to us than the orangutan. Oh, that's a, so, that's a, that's a so good that's answer. It's like all it. about like what they it. learn. Good stuff. PNW Sasquatch Shadows says, curious what Steve thinks about most footage, except Patty being so short. Uh, why does the film end fakes real interference? Any any thoughts about um, that uh, question or well, questions? you know, I don't think necessarily we may get a long video of any of these things. If somebody's like, okay, has that reaction like, oh, you know, yeah. like. You know, you have uh, Patterson and Gimlin, they're coming on a horse, so it startled it. So you're not going to expect True. a long video out of that. True. Freeman saw it, and it saw him, and it took off. You don't expect yep. a long film with that. Um, you know, so what's the inference? The, the, what I look at it for inference is why are they filming? Um, you know, mm. like like in the Patterson Gimlin film, there's some before and after footage. Yeah, exactly. The, in the the Paul Freeman footage, there's before and after footage. What we get on YouTube is this 
you know, drive-by footage. Like, all of a sudden, there it is. Well, wait a minute. If you're framing this up in like a second and it's coming into frame, that, that, there's a very bad inference to that. And then the story, there's no stories behind it. And I mm -hmm. always say this, and this is the thing I live by. A film is only as good as the story behind it. Exactly. If there's no story behind it, there's no film. I don't care I how that, good yeah. it looks, how convincing it looks. There's no, there's no, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Our friend Alex from Sasquatch, uh, the shadows stopped by. He said, what's up people. Good to see you, Alex. What's up, Alex? Uh, definitely. He is a rocking dude. And we got B Lynn saying, Hey, Squatch DTV Sunday evenings. That's yeah. right. Definitely check that out. Uh, Jonathan Dawes saying, what's Steve's favorite, most convincing piece of Bigfoot evidence. Good question. I was actually just about to ask that, so I'm glad you asked it, Jonathan. Well, evidence that I have ran into and I've investigated has always been what's on my archive pages, which mm. would be the prison footage, uh, a.k.a. the New York baby footage, the uh, Vermont Trail Cam photo, and the the tale of two casts, the uh, the two footprints. Now, as far as the, 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 film, ever, uh, the film evidence and the photo evidence, that was... Uh, uh, given to me to examine i was the first one to look at the the prison video the the thing the little one the big one and it looks like a little one pops off it and then you see it hand okay. over hand and then it starts that was probably a good couple hundred hours worth of research looking at that film wow. frame by frame by frame by frame by frame and that's how i can know the intricacies of it and i know a lot more than you know, people saying, oh, well, that's an antenna with a, you know, no, it's not an antenna. The, you know, the wind speed was only, we've already looked into that. Mm. Um, you know, um, uh, the Vermont trail cam photo, you know, I looked at it and, you know, that's where a good case of pareidolia for a lot of people. Oh, that's an owl. But what's this appendage here? And what's that there? And what's this here? And wait a minute, what's with the shadow? The shadow doesn't look right to me. I send it to an optic scientist who says, okay. no, that's on the ground. That's on the ground. Look mm. at the leading edge shadow. If it was by the, uh, it's really hard to tell with, with this, but I, I do a, usually when I do live presentations, I'll take a flashlight and put my hand in front of the flashlight against the wall and you'll see the shadow it casts. Well, if this is something in front of the camera, in front of that light source, it's going to cast that big shadow. But when does that shadow disappear or go to the leading edge? When I put my hand up against the surface. Okay. So whatever that is it's called parallax view. So we sent this out. Interesting. We sent that out and the scientist said, no. So if anybody thinks this is a bird of some sort, they're incorrect. <laughs> hmm. So that kind of like, what? Uh, okay. Well, you know, because if he had turned around and said, well, it could be. And then I can say, well, it's inconclusive. It kind of looks like an owl. You know, looking at it one way, but I'm seeing things that aren't. And I remember going like going, OK, I got to stop looking at this like because Frank, the guy who made the picture, showed it to a biologist said, oh, that's an owl. And just after looking at it for three <laughs> seconds. Oh, yeah. And I was going, no, I didn't. there's just let me look at this from a See, and that's a case of where somebody didn't have an open mind and they yep. didn't remain objective. There you go. I kept an open mind. So I'm like, okay, look at this. This may, it doesn't quite look like an owl, but let me remain objective and test where it is. I'll send it out to a third party, a scientist who's got no dog in the fight. Exactly. Yep. And, there and you go. He, and I don't really go. have a dog in the fight either, but well, let me, let me send it out to him and see what he says. So, 
And uh, squashdetector.com has a whole page with the Vermont uh, footage yeah. on it, and it gets deep. Like, I'm going to have to – I need to spend a whole ton of time because we were just talking about this in Clubhouse last night, and, like, the guys in the chat, uh, Aaron, Jonathan, um, you need to go to – uh steve's website and that page like we could i could spend an hour on there easy there's so much stuff so i'm i'm gonna do that probably later tonight um i am going out and uh let's that, before... that actually does my heart warm because oh thank you yeah um yeah, of course you know it, it was a lot it's many years of stuff putting on there and redoing stuff to make it you know a little evergreen content and putting stuff just to kind of educate people that like hey listen i'm not a guy out there just saying well, that's Bigfoot because I said so. No, there's an investigation process, and there is exactly you know. uh, kind words from PNW Sasquatch Shadows. First time watching live. Great work, Jeremiah. Steve, great to listen to your experiences. Thank, thank, thank you. you, thank you, friend. Um, I want to get uh, as we kind of uh, wrap, maybe wrap, start to wrap it down a little bit. Um, maybe a, a rapid fire section. So I'll I'll say a. <clears throat> a word or a phrase, and I'm curious to know what your gut reaction. A horse is. with a hat on it. No, I'm sorry. Wrong. You got it. You got. It. Uh, okay, here we go. Ready, Mothman. Yep. Interesting. Okay. How so? Uh, doesn't sound like it's real. Okay. But, but there's enough people that has had some really high strangeness. That's. I don't thing. think it's. A, I don't think it's a crypto. I think it's something paranormal. Oh, fun. Okay. Cool. I like that. All right, Dogman. Dogman. Uh misidentified Sasquatch. Oh, then that means there's some really mean and nasty Sasquatch out there. Well, there's some really mean and nasty people too, and chimpanzees and great point. Great point. Yeah, that's true. People, there are some nasty people out there for sure. Uh let's see. We got um uh finding Bigfoot. Um Made Bigfoot not a four-letter word. Exactly. Let's see. Let me count. Big, big, man. Okay. All right. Um, UFOs. Uh, can't wait for disclosure. Yeah. Have you ever had any? Uh, yeah. UFO. Oh, you yeah. have. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you a good experience. Oh my goodness! Uh, All right. I was out in a place called Bird Mountain in Vermont doing uh, sure yep. research at a sighting. Yep. Uh, an old sighting where a uh, actually a family of four were observed by the people that owned the ski lodge there at one time. And we were up there and I had three of my team going up the mountain and me and Frank, Frank was actually the guy who found the Vermont trail cam photo. So me okay. and Frank are, I'm up there at the, the plateau and I'm setting up the night, the night vision cameras for the DVR. And all of a sudden he goes, Hey, what the hell was that? <laughs> And here is this. Now, mind you, it's daytime. It's wow. daytime. Okay. And here's this ball of light just sitting there floating and then moving and then moving back and then moving around. And then it oh, just man. flew off to the north. And then about an hour and a half later, it came back for about Yikes. a minute and a half. And then it just floated off back towards the south. And wasn't a drone. I mean, this goes back even before people, a lot of people had drones. This goes back, I want to say maybe 2011. So I was going mean, to ask. Is, yeah. Okay. This is like 10 okay. years ago. So drones weren't everywhere. Wow. And we would have heard right. the damn thing too. Exactly. Plus it was way yep. too big to be. So anyway, 
we, the team came back down. They're like, did you see that thing in the sky? They'd seen it. <laughs> oh, nice. So, yeah, very, very weird. So, yeah. Oh, crazy, crazy. Um, that's good. You, you never can guess who's had the, the UFO sightings. I always think that's interesting. Like, yeah, it's out there, dude. Disclosure, oh, man. man. Good stuff. Um, fan meter visitor or we'll put thunderbirds in there um hard to say my brother who was a detective saw a thunderbird really oh that's cool. um many many years in the 80s uh over the taconic state parkway okay yep which is kind of interesting because that's the same time and year that the uh, big U.S. hudson valley ufo flap was going on oh wild sure <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah he because i remember one day he asked me because he knew i was in dallas he goes let me ask you have you ever heard something about a big bird? He had oh, no idea yeah. what a Thunderbird even was. Wow. He goes, because one year I, I saw this thing must have had a wingspan of like 20 feet. Like, That's huh. wild. Yeah. And, you know, he's not one to fetter around. He wasn't one ever to fuddle around about it. Right. Right. You know, um, and, and just the, the mannerisms. And he asked me, you know, have you ever heard of something of a big bird? And I was like, yeah, Thunderbird. <laughs> crazy crazy uh oh last um last uh bigfoot nest and i'm talking specifically like uh when i say bigfoot nest i'm thinking of like the pacific a Northwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um possible you know would have yeah. to be possible what yeah. have to be possible all the other i mean all the other great apes do it even we did when we were you know aboriginal yeah. on the ground so yeah i have i have huge uh huge uh, high expectations for for uh, small town monsters um uh upcoming film i think at the end of this month is when it's being released yep. but man, that's going to be wild and um let's see i'm going to do a quick double check of the comments uh let's see cameron young says hey, hey steve cameron. Uh, Mysteries Obscure says, interesting take on Mothman. Thank you, sir. Yeah, with the crying face. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I just don't know if that's, you know, I, you know, I'm not an expert on it. So, you know, and I don't claim to be an expert on, 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 on that, you know, on certain topics. I'm more of an expert on the Lockdown's Monster because I actually did a TV show out there for Nat Geo. But, mm. <clears throat> which was, was kind of interesting. And I was completely convinced that they were seeing something that was more terrestrial than, uh, than something out of the ordinary, uh, for a lot of them. Now, but was, was that actually on the Loch Ness monster or are you yes, talking about? Yep. Oh, wow. I, I, I did, uh, in 20, uh, it aired the end of 2011. I did the truth behind the Loch Ness monster. Mm -hmm. They uh, sent me out there for nine days. They gave me a team. I had divers. I had sonar. I had a boat. I had, uh, a couple of biologists that did hydrophones work. Um, wow. and, um, I actually debunked something, but that never made the cut <laughs> and, uh, which is unfortunate because I debunked it pretty damn good. And I put the scientist on who claimed he debunked it, which we, he was completely wrong in his conclusion, um, <laughs> uh, which was hysterical because I actually duplicated the picture. That's so a, how does, I'm, I'm just curious, how does the, the, let's say the Bigfoot guy get called up for the um the loch ness because thing. the the same director did uh the um uh, monster quest episode 
Oh, of course. And yep. I was just, he's like, listen, I, I can't yeah. think of anybody more exciting because you did such a bang up job on that. That's you awesome. Giving oh, a lot cool, of excitement. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want to take the sun. Yeah, why not? I'm a, you know, so it wasn't so, that far out of the realm looking at one cryptid now. You know, it, okay. Exactly. Uh, so the lesson is uh, to make great uh, connections and you never know where they will lead. Yeah, well, it was sure. it was a shock to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. The thing to put on the resume for sure. Uh, Jonathan says uh, he asks, "What uh, do you have a favorite Bigfoot encounter story?" Um, I know that you have you've shared uh, some sighting reports, but um, anything that comes to mind when uh, any other favorite Bigfoot encounter um, well, I always thought that the, the Brian Goslin story was was like one of the best. 1976, December, Whitehall, New York, off-duty police officer. He was sitting on the side of the road. There's a piece of the story a lot of people don't hear. He wasn't there by himself. He was actually mm -hmm. an on-duty state trooper sitting across the road and facing him the other way. And when the thing came through, the trooper peeled off and took off. And uh, so here's Brian hearing this thing. He gets out of his car with his gun-drawn light out, and there it is standing there. Uh, kind of looks at him behind like this, puts his hand up, and it turns around and keeps on walking. And uh, to hear Brian tell that story and see his physical reaction, uh, you know he saw what he saw. That's wild. Um, you know, and he always answers that good question. Well, people say, why didn't you shoot it? He goes, I'm a trained police officer. Yeah, I don't shoot things that don't make a threat to me. Yeah, that, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So no, that's that's a good story. That's my favorite that's Bigfoot story. encounter story. Always will be. Um, and just the fact that, you know, when I was up and coming and in, in, in how I got into this, really, I had an interest as a child, but I lost it after a while because girls sure. and cars are a lot more exciting than Bigfoot when you're a teen. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, in, in, in 97, 98, a friend of mine said, hey, you got to read this book. It's about Bigfoot sightings, you know, in, you know, in our area. What? So I started reading it. And, you know, uh, Brian's story was like the, the main event in that book. And mm. to eventually get to meet the authors of the book, all of them, and, you know, call them my colleagues now, um, and to meet Brian and, you know, I consider Brian a friend and to meet, you know, Dan Gordon, the other police officer that had a sighting in the white hall. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. Um, you know, it, it created, and I just actually in, at the white hall festival, I just ran into Dan's son and I hadn't seen him in years. And since his father had passed, I actually, I, I, mm. and, and since before his father had passed and we had a little tearful reunion because I was like, I'm so sorry about your dad. Yeah. And, um, you know, I never got to tell you that because it all had, by the time I found out about it, you know, he's oh, don't worry about it. He goes, yeah, you got, yeah, my dad loved you, you know, oh, wow. and uh, yeah. it was, it was just, uh, you know, so you try to, you know, to, to know these people that are in that book that brought me into this is just an honor and uh, very humbling, very humbling. And it's a great reminder about, you know, you know, we, we're looking for for undiscovered animals for Bigfoot, but at the end of the day, uh, the, the most important thing, one of the most important things, is the the relationships that we are making yeah, yeah, along yeah, the yeah. way, and the people. You, you can't overlook that. That is important. Yeah. The people, number one, 
and also looking for Bigfoot, of course. But um, yeah, because we're uh, not here all forever. Yeah. Bigfoot, maybe. That, but that is true, my friend. That is yeah. thirty-seven is hitting me like a ton of bricks. My goodness. And you're goodness like, get gracious. out of town. Get out of town. Goodness um, gracious, way. I was driving I have, cars when you were in diapers. <laughs> I have listeners that are also like, what's the name of the book? The book is Monsters of the Northwoods by yep. Paul Bartholomew, correct? Uh, by Paul and Robert Bartholomew, Bruce right. Hallenbach, yep. and Bill Brand. It was actually there a collaboration. That was the book that brought me into it. I don't think it's in print anymore. Uh, um, I've uh, you're correct. I've heard that it is very uh, expensive to find a copy. I remember uh, hearing Seth talking about how he found a copy and he had to pay. Uh, but it's a great book. So yeah. if you can find it at a yard sale in New York, pick it up or, you know, just pay, pay a little bit for it too. But, um, man, Steve, thank you so much for hanging out uh, with us tonight and answering all sorts of questions and sharing some great stories and uh, your viewpoints on different things. Uh, before, before we end this out, do you mind uh, sharing uh, with the listeners because this is in podcast sure. form as well? Uh, What's the best ways that people can keep up to date and uh, follow along with your search for Sasquatch? Um, you go to SquatchDetective.com. Mm -hmm. uh, we take the sass out of Sasquatch, so it's SquatchDetective.com. We're awesome. <laughs> uh, YouTube.com forward slash Steve Coles. And, uh, you know, Ed, you can, if you go to, if you go to the website, it has links to all those places, my social media sites, all that stuff, fun stuff. So, Perfect. And I'm going to, I'm going to put something in there as well. Uh, go to squatchdetective.com and read through the articles because there are some fantastic, uh, just really well-written articles on there uh, that you're not really going to find uh, like the blog, same quality yeah. anywhere else. Um, also, I do want to uh, also mention, and I'll have this in the show notes, Steve has written a few uh, books uh, Sasquatch playbook, what would Sasquatch do and 50 large, which is, um, the story behind, uh, one of the more famous hoaxes that he was able to uncover. So I was down zero. Check, check, <laughs> check that out. Um, but thank you so much for hanging out with us, hey, uh, Steve. Anytime, thanks to all in the chat and, um, have a great rest of your night. All. Thanks for taking your time out of your busy day and spending some time with us uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes leave a review on itunes uh, stitcher and uh, your preferred podcast platform and um, if you have any stories you can give us an email at bigfootsociety at gmail.com and again check out the articles we have and more preferred book lists at BigfootSocietyPodcast.com. You can always go to Instagram at Bigfoot Society. And we have a TikTok now. It gets pretty crazy there. Bigfoot, Bigfoot.Society at Bigfoot.Society. Thanks again for taking your time listening to the Bigfoot Society podcast. We'll see you next week. Uh, next Saturday will be a new episode. And also, if you want to take part in the live taping of the episode and put your questions in there for the guest, just remember, subscribe to the Bigfoot Society YouTube channel and hit the bell so you don't miss out on any of those episodes. Thanks again, all, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone.
thank you.